Hey, it's Jess Massa. Thanks for listening to this episode of WTF Health. All this talk about the future of health is brought to you in part by our sponsors, Transparent, OneDrop, Wheel, Pfizer, Vita Health, Utopia, 120 over 80 marketing, and Bayer G4A. And don't forget, if you want to check out the video version of this interview, head on over to my YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash WTF Health. Hey everybody, it's Jessica Damasa with WTF Health. What's the future of health? I am talking to the who's who of health tech and healthcare innovation. And today we are catching up with tech-enabled habit change provider, Newtopia, talking to their CEO and founder, Jeff Ruby, about just how bad things have gotten with people's everyday health as a result of the pandemic. Jeff, I'm really excited to talk to you about this because I've been looking for a state of play on, on our general health status for a while. Nice to have you here. It, it, it's so fantastic to be back. I, I hate to be the person who's got to talk about how bad things have become, but it's it's really nice to be back with you guys. No, I mean, this caught my eye because like I've been saying this all along. I'm like, for a while I was calling it the banana bread uh, epidemic because it was like, remember early on in COVID, everybody was making banana bread and like doing all these recipes and baking stuff at home. And I'm like, this is going to have an impact down the road. And here we are now two years down the road and it has had an impact. And it's not only, you know, um, like physical in terms of, of weight or, you know, things like people who are more like, a rise in prediabetes, but also our mental health has suffered. I mean, a lot of different things. So, you know, give me an insight on, you know, what you've been looking at. I mean, Utopia, you know, you guys are tracking and, and working in this, this chronic condition space and you have been for a long time trying to change beha- behavior there. But what have you got your eye on in terms of populations of people and just how the pandemic has changed our health status? Yeah, it's, I'd really categorize it as two things. Uh, one stat that caught my eye a couple of weeks ago was a report in the New York Times that up to 40% of the Americans who passed away so tragically during COVID had type 2 diabetes. If you just step back and yeah. think about that number, that's, that's nearly 400,000 Americans whose lives were lost because of an entirely preventable lifestyle disease. Uh, and it's sobering and it's so, so frustrating. The second impact, of course, is all of the lousy habits that we have all adopted as a result of the banana bread. Um, (laughs) 1% of Americans reporting a change in habits, whether that's around sleep or whether that's around more time on a screen, whether that's around mental health, which we all feel eating poorly inactivity, which is the tinder for more lifestyle-related metabolic disorders, whether it's obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke, MSK, cancer. And so you've got this like twin effect. The pandemic has killed 400,000 people with type 2 diabetes. And I think the population is worse off two years later with even greater risk for more diabetes-like disease. And it's kind of terrifying. It is. It absolutely is. And it's like that 61% having a, a habit that they've picked up as a result of you know, just the behavior change over the last two years. I mean, I think that's really staggering to me because, I mean, it's so easy to pick this stuff up, Jeff, but it's really hard to change those behaviors. So I'd like to hear a little bit about where you guys have found yourself now because, and you may have to just back up for a second for those who might not be familiar with Newtopia and just talk a little bit about your model because it is very unique in this this chronic care, diabetes, weight management, mental health care space in the sense that you guys are like, it's like, um, like 
pre-primary care. It's preventative. It is it is very much behavior change. And you guys have always been a little bit of an outlier, but I'd like for you to kind of introduce us to Newtopia again, for those who may not be familiar. And then talk about too, if you can, you know, how you feel like you're in a unique position as a result of the pandemic and this population of people that, that now have habits that they need to change. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just maybe as a refresher, Newtopia is a, a tech-enabled habit change company, or we call ourselves habit change provider, um, that is really bringing the best of humans and the best of technology to affect new and sustainable and durable habits around nutrition, exercise, and mental and emotional health. So as a provider of whole person care, you know, we're really interested in getting to know people socially, behaviorally, and genetically. And we've pioneered this area we call genetic engagement or using behavior genetics to help inspire individuals to make these changes um, so that at the end, we can deliver both improvements to physical risk factors, improvements to mental risk factors, all proven um, to not only be significant reductions in the likelihood of developing chronic disease, but with proven cost savings, proven ROI, and deliver outcomes that grow. And you're right, we are a little bit unique as as many um, digital health companies uh, forced and moved toward condition management as Mm -hmm. their raison d'etre, managing type 2 diabetes or managing cardiovascular disease or just managing more sick care, we've always stayed true to the prevention side, really focusing on the 80% of the population that has elevated risks and seeing if we can't stem the tide by capturing them earlier for the benefit of health insurers so they don't have to manage illness, but actually can prevent it in the first place. Yes, and that's right. And I remember you coming out of, you guys came out of Aetna, right? You were incubated there. Is that right? That's absolutely right. So we um, we were kind of discovered in the Aetna Innovation. So, you know, we're now about 2013 to 2016. Uh, Aetna Innovations uh, found us uh, through the help of Accenture and uh, ran a three-year randomized control trial, bet the company on this large-scale trial on just shy of 3,000 Aetna members. Uh, It was really proved to be a good bet because we were able to publish peer-reviewed evidence of both the efficacy of that whole-person approach, the cost savings, the ROI. And ever since, we've been able to improve upon those numbers through great innovation partnerships with groups like JP uh, Morgan Chase, uh, with Accenture, uh, and uh, have been able to master some of the behavioral economics on the top line as well. All right, so you guys find yourself in this very unique little spot of being, you know, prevention-focused, being behavior change science-based, um, with all the other goodies around it, the genomic part of that I love. Um, and then, like, in, in you're different from that chronic condition management crowd. Now, here we are, like we said, draw the line to us to what's happening with Newtopia as a result of the pandemic. Because, I mean, it's, it's interesting where you guys are at right now, because it's like, you, you, is it too late for some of this prevention stuff? Or, like, where are you guys feeling like you can make the most impact, knowing what we just discussed in terms of how much more unhealthy generally Americans are these days than they were two years ago. Well, I think, I think that the tragedy of again nearly four hundred thousand Americans with type two diabetes passing away is that condition management isn't going to help it. Um, once those, the right, the, with all the efforts at managing folks with type two diabetes in these digital ways, and I'm a giant fan of these approaches, but in some ways it's a little bit too late. Uh, And so we think there's a a huge opportunity for us to help the health insurers out there, whether it be self-insured employers or fully insured payers in the MA space or ACO space, and we can talk more about that, um, to manage the risk down of their populations. And and the one thing that I know for sure, and they know for sure, is that two years later, all of those populations that they are at risk for are now riskier than when we began. Uh, And so... 
they're staring down the barrel of 2022 um, with cost increases estimated at anywhere between eight to 10 percent. That's a shocking number after a couple years of odd numbers when people weren't going to, to do any uh, care. Uh, and the pop, you know, prospect of even riskier populations. It's, it's just, um, it's a perfect formula for a disaster. And condition management's not going to solve that disaster. What's going to solve that disaster is intervening at that point of risk, um, hopefully at that point of fear for individuals that they're leaning toward chronic disease, and a point of terror for the health insurer who are facing down the prospect of all of these individuals who are not only sort of poised for the great resign, but are poised for uh, worse medical uh, conditions and uh, a huge cost uh, rise. So I mean, I want to push on this point about the the riskier populations who are headed in a in a particular direction, either to to have new chronic conditions or to exasperate the conditions that they already have. You know, and the thing with behavior change, and I've I've asked you this before, and I've said this to you, and I want and I want another opportunity here for you to address it. But the behavior change is hard. Much easier to throw some prescription drugs at this, especially if the costs are going up. We don't really have the time and the luxury. So I mean, what do you have to say to that? How do you how do you combat that? No, I. I think I think this concept of behavior change is hard is is a is a bit of a canard. It, it's it's one of these things that we tell ourselves. Just look at what's happened to all of our habits over the last two years. Granted, it took a global pandemic, but many of our habits changed. Habit change is possible. We went in the wrong direction, but when you put people at the center, when you really give them the benefit of the doubt that there's an opportunity to inspire them and to motivate them and, and use the right behavioral economics, they're the same way that habits can go the wrong way, they can go the right way. So it, it takes the right approach. I don't think it's hard, but I think it takes putting the individual at the center of the equation, not a curriculum and not a let's teach them or tell them what to do. Nobody wants that. We've learned that through the vaccination yeah. attempts over the last two years. No one wants to be told what to do or instructed, but individuals really do appreciate the benefit of learning about themselves and being inspired and having their confidence built so they become the engine of their own growth. That's at the essence of Newtopia's really deep personalized model. It's what's made us so successful. And I, I think it's one of the routes to help heal um, from the pandemic and to lessen this risk burden that we're all facing down. All right, I want to hear a little bit about that success. So brag for us here, because I understand, I mean, the last time I spoke with you, you had just recently put out a the results of like, uh, it was an economic feasibility study, I think, or something in terms of how much money could be saved using Newtopia's program. And it was done with a Medicare Advantage uh, population. And I believe the number was something around 1700 per member. And I, you know, talk more about that, like get us, give us a sense of like, how long does it take? How much money could be saved here? Like brag for us about the success here of the Newtopia program. Great. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you two perspectives because I'm so, so proud of them. I'm going to talk about the MA in a moment, but just so happens that we have been fortunate in an innovation partnership with one of the leading financial institutions in the world to participate in this behavioral economics trial. And it just coincided the 24 months of the trial coincided nearly perfectly with 24 months of uh, our COVID experience. And what we were experimenting with is applying some great uh, economics um, to incent participation in health improving behavior. But what we were able to do is see just over 70% of participants at risk take us up and join the platform. That's compared to about 25% we normally experienced, which was already high, but 71% of an at-risk population enrolling is almost unheard of. That's awesome. At the end of 12 months, 
86% of those individuals were fully engaged, which dropped to 83% at the end of 24 months, which drops to about 70% at the end of 36 months. If you can show me another lifestyle change, habit change experience, driving high 80s, low 80s to 70 after 36 months, I'd like to meet them. And all the while, we're driving some of the best clinical outcomes we've ever experienced in terms of that percentage of the population, just over a third, who are both dropping significant physical clinical risk factors and significant mental and emotional risk factors. So delivering beautifully on that whole person care. This is straight through the pandemic. In the hardest time possible, we've just delivered our very best outcomes, totally countering the trend. So super proud of that and and, and know um, that that can be delivered at scale with any health insurer clientele. What you just referred to on the second side is is a movement afoot um, to expand beyond employers uh, and see if we can't take the Newtopia approach and have a meaningful impact across Medicare Advantage populations. And so here we started similar to the way we proved ourselves commercially with an actuarial study suggesting that we should be able to save about $1,700 per member per year. Now that we've got the research done, we're just days away from inking our first major uh, ME contract with a leading uh, regional player. We also have some of the biggest national players uh, in discussions as well. And the hope here is that we can replicate the kind of cost savings, but really, can we start to have an impact across gaps in care, quality metrics, STARS ratings, which we know we can impact to not only deliver that $1,700 in cost savings and cost avoidance, but also meaningfully generate uh, increased revenues. And so I'm, I'm really psyched about the movement into health plans, and in addition to be able to serve and increase the, the size of our employer client base. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Those are those are some big pieces of news there. I'm excited to hear that. I mean, and yeah, very cool about the success that you've been able to achieve over a long period of time in terms of engaging and keeping employees engaged in the program. That's wonderful. I have to ask you a little bit about the business. And I've got, I have two big questions here, Jeff, and they're not going to be easy ones. So the first one is, is about your model, because I know you guys are at risk. So you're completely at risk, 100% on fees for, for all of the, uh, there's a variety of different mental health and physical health, you know, metrics that you're meant to hit before you guys can get paid. So based on this entire conversation we've had about just how much sicker everybody is coming into this, I mean, how does this impact your business model, my friend? I mean, does this actually put you in a better position because you have more potential clients to work with? Or does this put you in a worse position because these people are just that much more worse off? Talk to me. So the the easiest way to build and scale a digital health model is not to go at risk. Um, The easiest way is to choose a capitated per member per month model where you're getting guaranteed revenues, your investors um, love the certainty, looks like SaaS, and uh, away you go. Here's the problem. It's the number one way not to give a crap about driving an outcome because why drive an outcome when you're getting paid nonetheless? Now, I probably just upset a whole lot of my colleagues out there who are pursuing that model for the purpose of their investors, but I believe that to really do this the right way, we have to be a partner. We've got to be part of the value base in the performance side. It does make it a little harder for us from a certainty perspective, but I'm so certain about our results that we are prepared to go full risk for reducing physical and emotional driving that whole person care. And I think the state of the market today as as value-based is not just talk track, but becomes more real as it moves from 
uh, CMS into commercial populations where it seems to be afoot and there's a, a real movement around accountable primary care for commercial populations. Boy, I, I love that we have the experience uh, doing this, um, you know, being a public company, reporting publicly and growing. And so we are not moving uh, away from full risk. And in fact, I think it's going to serve us incredibly well as we move forward. Okay, I do have to ask, this is the other hard question. You walked right into it, my friend. The the um, public market, I mean, you guys are publicly traded in Canada. And I mean, we've seen this happen in Canada and in the US the last, you know, the last year or so with these health tech or digital health stocks has not been good. I mean, things really took off during the pandemic and then they as, as quickly as they heated up, they just cooled right back down. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is this, you know, everybody's concerned about it, especially here. We've seen a rollback in the number of companies who have even decided to, to go public now. I mean, what are your thoughts on this as the CEO of a publicly traded health tech company? You know, I believe we were the first digital health company to go public in March of 2020 as the pandemic was rolling out. And it's it's been turbulent and it has been fascinating. Uh, and I would say that uh, we're certainly uh, making efforts to expand our investor base. We, we love our Canadian investors. They've gotten us to this point. But I, I do think that there's a little un uncertainty and just unawareness of how U.S. healthcare works and where innovation drives. And so we're definitely driving more toward uh, broadening our base uh, with U.S. healthcare. And so stand by for more updates as we move in that direction. But one of the things I would also say is that I, I think in many ways um, there's been a digital health or health tech 1.0 movement afoot. And a lot of those folks uh, went public uh, either you know, during the pandemic or, or as things were looking awfully good, where what was analog um, was then digitized. Mm -hmm. And so what I call sick care in analog form was digitized by some incredible platforms, incredible technology. And of course, as the analog became unavailable because of social restrictions, it forced the digital to rise probably sped things up by about 10 years, which was fantastic. And now, of course, as things seem to be resuming back to whatever the new normal looked like, there's a bet that some of the digital may pull back. I describe all that because that's not us. <laughs> uh, Utopia is not a health tech 1.0 company. We represent what I will call health tech 2.0 in that there is no analog for what we do. There is no scaled primary prevention in some physicians' offices or health system today in the United States. And in fact, we are here because we believe it's needed. But I think in some ways we have been, you know, maybe bundled and um, cohorted into digital health 1.0. And I get why. We look virtual. We serve employers and health plans. And it kind of looks like we're doing similar things. But I, I do believe that our time and moment is coming as there's a recognition that in fact, digital health 2.0 needs to come. Um, we need to move past just digitizing what is analog and actually covering what is not analog, the primary prevention side. So again, come right back to the start. We can avoid the 400,000 Americans who died of type two diabetes from COVID-19 from it happening once the next pandemic, which we have to believe there will be from coming. And unless there is that movement afoot to move from digital health 1.0 to digital health 2.0, we're never going to get there. And we're on the front line and the real new front door of that. All right. Well, I'm fired up. It's your moment. <laughs>
<laughs> I love these. This is our moment. I think this is great. Jeff, thank you so much for stopping by and for, for catching us up on everything that's been going on with Utopia. And I do think, you know, there is a lot of confusion about your model versus some of the others that are in this space. So I'm, I'm hoping that those who are out there who have, have heard you talk through it uh, have a clearer understanding of the way that you guys are, uh, are separate and are part of that 2.0 movement, particularly among those publicly traded companies. So thanks again. Thank you. It's really great to be here. Thanks, Jess. All right. You'll have to catch us up when you get some new news, Jeff. Everybody, that's Jeff Ruby. He's the founder and CEO of Newtopia, um, talking to us about how how things are going to pan out in the next couple of years here as, as he tries to change behaviors for a whole bunch of people um, who picked up some bad ones during the pandemic. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, for more with the who's who of health tech as they are changing the way that we do healthcare, head on over to my YouTube channel. That is youtube.com slash WTF health. I'm Jessica DeMassa. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. Hey, it's Jess. If you're looking for more news on what's going on in health tech, I've got another show airing on this channel called Health Tech Deals. In this one, famous healthcare curmudgeon Matthew Holt joins me twice a week to weigh in on the biggest funding deals, M&A activity, and exits in health tech. Just look for episodes labeled Health Tech Deals.